This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Welcome to episode 46 of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Andy. I'm Eddie. I'm Pat. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries right here on Paranormal Dads. And welcome, Eddie, Pat, everybody listening. We got an extraordinary episode lined up for everyone, don't we, boys? Hello, boys. Yes, we do. Oh, my gosh, we do. This is a fun one. This is a perfect night for this, too. It is. At least least where we are. Beautiful, probably one of our first almost summer nights. It's clear. It's cloudless. It is clear. You can see a lot of stars. Yeah, stars going to be coming out soon. We're dropping hints. Yeah, we're dropping a lot of hints. Yeah, it's a perfect paranormal night. If you can, if you're in the uh, Omaha area, but even if you're, you know, your own hometown, go outside tonight. Look up in the sky. It's going to be gorgeous, and uh, we're excited for all the fun oh, ghost story, not ghost story, paranormal stories we have for you tonight because it's going to be a good one. I had kind of a paranormal experience this afternoon, though, this evening. I know. That's why we're late. <laughs> With my car. That's why we're late. And I apologize to anybody who who has been waiting around for us. It's all my fault. But uh, so growing up, you know, we used to go to Minnesota and places like that. And my dad always used to haul this this boat on a trailer. And I remember hearing some very colorful language from him when he was trying to get it hooked up to the car and and we'd always run into issues like flat tires or one thing or another with the boat. It was always kind of a hassle. And I think to this day, I do not like trailers or boats or bike racks or kayak holders on the top of my car. <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> like any You know, anything that doesn't belong on the car originally, I don't. You know, I don't need it really. And so, (laughs) so, so where I'm going with this is this evening, uh, my daughter and her friend of hers, they wanted to go kayaking, uh, down at the lake, which is right down the street from our, our house. And I thought, no, no big deal. We were actually borrowing a couple of kayaks from, um, my brother and sister in law. And so they gave us this thing to hook up onto the top of the car and I can put the kayaks up there and, you know, it's no big deal. We're just running them down the hill. And, and, uh, so I helped, help, help the kids get it ready to go and send them on their way. And I start cutting the grass and not five minutes later, I get a phone call from my daughter. And I'm like, this can't be good. So <laughs> never, so never apparently, apparently never I, I didn't, lives. didn't have the kayak fastened just right. And for whatever reason, one of the kayaks fell forward. Luckily, it got caught up on the rack that was holding it on. And it uh, actually took off the driver's side mirror off my car. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, dude. And my, my daughter, she just drove like a boss, though. She was able to, you know, she kept her cool. She didn't crash. She got it pulled over the into the parking lot of, of the recreation area. And, uh, the kayaks are okay. It was just the car that was damaged, but, uh, I, I feel sorry for her because, you know, I think they were excited to go down and have a nice night at the lake. And, and, uh, you know, they, I, I felt bad that this happened to them because I, I know they feel a lot of guilt about it as well. Um, well, we but, always you know, say, I, yeah, I probably normal. feel more, more bad about. <laughs> Me putting the thing on the car and, and my poor performance than, than, you know, them having the problem, but. Well, we always say the scariest thing about, uh, being a paranormal dad is how scary the finances are, right? Especially when you have more kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, we'll, we'll get it fixed. It's, it's not that big of a deal. It's really it was kind of a clean break off the side and, the the electrical part of it still works. I can still adjust it. It just kind of oh, good. It, it's currently held on by duct tape. So it's well, like next- an eyeball hanging out of your eye. That <laughs> exactly. head you can still see out of. You're like, oh, I can still see. I see my foot. <laughs> but I'm well, ready next- to get get paranormal here. Ready to have some fun. Uh, yeah, let's get guys. paranormal, man. <laughs> next time, Pat, don't anchor the kayak at all. Just hold on to the top of it like this and then go really fast, slam your brakes on right before the water and let go of the kayak. It'll just fly right in the water. Shoot right in the water, yeah. That's the worst that could happen. (laughs) 
There's nothing that could go wrong with that at all. <laughs> that well, National uh, Lampoon style of <laughs> kayak uh, launching. As always, we we always start out the show with the recent sightings segment. And I believe, if I do not mistaken, our fearless leaders on this one, aren't you, Eddie? Oh, it's me. <laughs> I'm the one. I am the one who saw the recent sightings. <laughs> it's a good thing, too, that I use my handy-dandy Cousin Yeti notebook. Oh, that was his uh, Christmas gift from me. Eddie's notorious for writing in field journals. It's the uh, 1800s version of Eddie. There's a little old man that lives in his soul, and sometimes it comes out because he'd rather write in a field journal than on his uh, MacBook, you know? Dude, you just nailed me down 100%. Like, there's a a tiny little prospector living inside me that's like, it doesn't exist unless you write it down in the book. (laughs) Write it in the book. Did you write it in the book? No, I didn't have it in my phone. (laughs) Pat, that was an awesome product placement. Pat brought out his Paranormal Dag's coffee mug, travel mug. (laughs) Made made to you by uh, Starlight Studios. So check them out, Starlight Studios. Thanks, Kim. Uh, Kim with uh, Kim Garrison. Check her out for all your cup, your custom cup needs. <laughs> I am up for uh, a recent sightings, and it's a doozy. Get ready. Here we go. I'm going to share my screen with everyone. But don't worry, uh, audio listeners. I'll talk you through this one. Here we go. The Pentagon has released again. For a second, I thought you said pentagram. <laughs> the pentagram has released again. Three UFO videos. This is maybe like two weeks old. So it's pretty darn recent as far as we're concerned. <laughs> um, That's about as recent as our recent sightings get. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I'm going to play a quick video for everyone. Now, a little, a little fair warning. There is some language in this video because the guy, the pilot is seeing some crazy stuff. So there's a little bit of language. Fair warning. We'll, uh, we'll edit that out of the audio. But uh, but I'm going to play the video for you now, All right. and, we'll, and we'll discuss. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. Oh, my gosh. Oh, going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. The whole thing, dude. That's not an LNS, though, is it? It's not. I do have an LNS, dude. Well, if there's like another thing, it's rotating. And this is another video. Look at that thing just fly. They can't even keep up with it. No, I took an auto track. Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh, dude. And this is the last video. So these three videos were released two weeks ago. Well, I've seen some of these before, though. Well, and they look similar to the one that was released maybe a year ago. But they're different clips. They are different clips, actually. Because the one that was released about a year ago was like a Tic Tac, and it was like rotating in the same way. But yeah, it's a we, much longer video. They they just keep releasing stuff, don't they? I mean, just little by little, like it's come trickling out. I think. Yes. Now, Pat, uh, one of those videos did come out um, five or six years ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One of those was familiar. So the article basically is, and I'm going to read excerpts of it here. Uh, the Pentagon on Monday released three declassified videos that show U.S. Navy pilots encountering what appears to be unidentified flying objects. Uh, the grainy videos, which the Pentagon says depict unexplained aerial phenomenon because they don't want to call it UFOs, mm-hmm. um, were previously leaked. So that's where we saw those before, Pat. Okay. Um, so they're officially releasing them now. Right. They're officially releasing okay. them. And uh, after a thorough review, the department has determined that the authorized release of these unclassified videos does not reveal any sensitive capabilities, blah, blah, blah. Um, basically, it says here, Yep, the aerial phenomenon observed in the videos remains to be characterized as unidentified. They don't know what it is. It puts the the U in UFO, that's for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. And the more you read about this, it gets more and more insane. The size of these objects, uh, one of them is the size of a suitcase. 
they said. Uh, so not very big. But the speed, it was the speed it was going. I picture it being a flying suitcase. That'd be the best thing. Well, I mean, if you have ever wondered where your lost luggage went when you couldn't find it at the at the carousel, you know, it's it's flying over the ocean naturally. It's ghost luggage. It's the worst thing ever. I can't ever keep track of my pants. <laughs> well, at that size, you know, one of the theories I've heard about these things are that there's some kind of a drone. But the the, the thing that gets me is the speed. It's the I mean, they're, they're out running F-18s. You yeah. know? <laughs> no, no. It's, and there's no sign of any sort of like, uh, in one of them, there was a, no sign of any real heat. And like the heat was just like a tiny little area contained. And for something to go that fast yeah, with mod, with any sort of technology we have now would generate a massive amount of heat. Yeah, it would generate a lot of heat, which means that they're using technology that we don't currently possess. Yeah. Um, and, and so these videos, as they said, as of now remain uncla, um, um, they don't know what they are. And, um, in response, the former Senate, Senate Democratic leader Harry Reid from Nevada tweeted the three videos only scratches the surface of the research and materials that the Pentagon has available. Hmm. So basically um, they, have, they have a whole stockpile of these things and they're going to, release them little by little as to not shock the public all at once, you know? I mean, what a weird time to release this stuff. Here we are under a pandemic. And I mean, there's a lot of people who have all their own theories. We're not a conspiracy theory show, although they're super fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the other side of that is the timing is interesting. It's like, what, what was it a month ago or not even a month ago where the Pentagon or whatever actually was like, yes, we are officially saying there are UFOs. Well, they have to because they're quite literally unidentified, you know. Yeah. And but again, the thing is, if if that if there's no heat signature on this thing, you know, what are they using? Some anti gravity uh, mechanism, you know? It, right. It's it's not it's not being propelled through our atmosphere because that generates heat and friction, right? Just like a just like a meteor that hits our atmosphere and it's, it's, it's on fire cause it's so hot. So whatever right. this thing is, right. it's, it's, it's almost like gliding through our existence without any friction, which means is there a force field around it? You know, obviously the occupants inside wouldn't feel whiplash or anything when it turns because inside it would be completely peaceful. Almost like in uh, that movie contact with Jodie Foster, right? Like inside the capsule when she goes mm-hmm. down that wormhole, it's totally peaceful because it's it's shifting it's shifting the environment outside of it. It's not moving through space. Mm-hmm. So I think it's anyway, rubber bands and, and, and rubber to the band powered. <laughs> Would you say rubber band Ooh. powered? Rubber band powered. Like those old airplanes. Up. I'm with that. <laughs> those airplanes you wind up and just let it go. Those you ever got your finger not out of the way in time and it oh, like caught it? Yeah, and you're like, that ah! That's smart. Oh yeah. Take that. Take that digit right off. Um, uh, and, and yeah, on, on that contact reference, it's like, and to the outside observer, it she just dropped right through. Like they didn't yeah. see what happened. And uh, in the video that was released about a year ago, there's an Ancient Aliens episode where they actually review that footage. Mm-hmm. And I'll put it in the show notes what episode it was, but they actually have an aerospace engineer and a physicist and a bunch of guys look at this video. And one of them was saying, for this to even do what it's doing, you would have to have created around that ship a little um, um, negative space warp zone where there was no atmosphere for it to pull off the stuff it's doing with mm-hmm. no heat, little to no heat at all. And so you're getting into that technology that we don't, have we don't have it and this is where it's like yeah the government's 10 years ahead sure 10 years ahead i mean we don't have warp drive time travel or do we or do we guys well i think we do i mean that would be technology yeah if we have it i i don't know dude i mean that's so far advanced you know almost makes you think of uh, and we've talked about this before but uh bob lazar with that mm-hmm. documentary bob lazar area 51 and flying saucers i mean he talked about, you know, he was trying to reverse engineer some of this technology and he said it was light years beyond anything he's ever seen before light years beyond anything. He thought the government was even toying with as well. But I mean, you're talking about a really tight self-contained, uh, well-built capsule 
I'm thinking during a pandemic, man, forget the mask, get inside of one of those things. You'd be safe for, uh, for the long haul, right? Yeah. Germs right. aren't going to be able to catch you. No way, dude. Can't catch me in my war bubble. <laughs> um, how many times do you think Bob Lazar was called Bob Laser? Like in, in like hospital and stuff. <laughs> Mr. Laser. Mr. Laser. He eventually got used to it and just played with it and he was like, pew, 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 pew. You know, pew, 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 pew. double barrel, baby. His personality. Like Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore. Anyway. That's going to become my, that's going to become my, my alter ego. Is, uh, <laughs> Edgar, Edgar Laser. That's my what plan. Are we, what are you thinking, dude? He has an IQ of like 180. He doesn't do laser yeah. noises. <laughs> he does not know. No. You would come up to him and give him finger guns, and he would instantly think you were a caveman. He'd be yeah. like, oh, look, you're one of those guys. Um, yeah. But but uh, further on this on this sighting, so for a while, there was a a group in the government, a, 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 a task for – I had it written down, but I don't have it with me. Uh, it was basically, the acronym was ATIPS. It was like the Association for Aeronautic, uh, Investigation something phenomenon or whatever. It, and, and I butchered that. But anyway, the point is, they were a group whose whole job was to investigate UFOs. And it was massively secret. And the acronym was ATIPS, A-A-T-P-S, something like that. And, as as soon as last year, maybe two years ago, the our government just came clean with the existence of this uh, agency within the government, whose whole job was to investigate UFO phenomenon, and it was actually headed up by the uh, by the guy. Um, his last name is Bigelow, and it's not Deuce Bigelow. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, is it Robert Bigelow? Yes, Robert okay. Bigelow of the Bigelow Air and Space. Uh, but he, uh, I'm butchering Deuce it. Aren't wild I? corporation. <laughs> Deuce Bigelow, space gigolo. <laughs> well, they also and, had a uh, TV show about, about that. The people, there was a guy who left that organization and he had his own TV show. And he, I think they would, he would talk to Bigelow and, uh, it's like the lead singer of some rock band. Like, oh yeah, Blink 182. or, Blink one eighty two. Blink one eighty two. That's what it was. Yeah, and uh, call yeah, that guy's really into it as well. So that yeah. that was kind of an interesting show to watch. Yeah, um, connected to that whole Bigelow uh, uh, aerospace uh, place. There's a great show on when I think it's either AMC. No, it's not AMC. I think it's a History Channel now. It's whatever channel showing ancient aliens. Uh, history, um, yeah, History Channel. It's it's the show is called Skinwalker Ranch, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't got a about, chance to watch it yet. It's so good, is it? It's so good, and it's all about that that parcel of land in Utah called Skinwalker Ranch, but it has some connection to uh, Bigelow uh, Aeronautics and all that. But the point is, this whole government agency, ATIPS, was associated with Bigelow as well. And it's an interesting situation, but the point is now it's disbanded, but it was like, yeah, this group existed. Now it's gone. And uh, it's something, something's fishy on that one. That's all I got to say. Something's always fishy because by the time we find out what the government has going on, it's like, oh, by the way, yeah, we had that operational 10 years ago, you know, it's, and that's how it's always been. I mean, we didn't know about stealth technology until the late eighties during desert storm, right? Yeah. Or sometime in the eighties, we had that technology in the late seventies. You know, we're all, public knowledge is always a de- at least a decade behind from what the government actually knows. So if it's us, well done us. Yeah. <laughs> if it's not us, <laughs> I don't know. We, I mean, we can, we can barely get our uh, technology figured out to be able to do this show right here, <laughs> you know, with decent wifi. I don't think that's our technology flying over the ocean. I, I really don't. So if it was that technology, I want a faster way to boil water. <laughs> I know. Even faster than a microwave. Create a warp field around your, your pot of mac and cheese. And it, that's all right. <laughs> time travel five, five minutes into the future and it's finished already. Well, in the weird, in the words of the weird guy from uh, the contact movie, whatever it is, it ain't local. 
Yeah, that's right. That's my take on it. <laughs> I agree. Those videos are something else. We'll post a link on the on the uh, show notes. And uh, yeah, keep looking up. But it they're weird. And hearing those guys' reaction is yeah. even these are seasoned pilots. pilots even, right. Yeah. yeah. Air Force fighter pilots. I mean, these guys yeah. got nerves of steel and even that, these guys are dumbfounded. Yeah, they're laughing their heads off at it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's not even in awe anymore. They find it funny because they're just like, I don't even know what this is. Yeah. No. Well, that was that was a good one, Eddie. We'll keep our eyes to the sky, especially on clear nights like tonight. And uh makes you wonder if maybe there's something looking back down at you, right? Keep looking up. That's all that's all we can say here on Paranormal Dads. Yeah, and that's an Edgar Laser stamp of approval. <laughs> uh Pat. Um, you yeah. are up next with pop culture and the paranormal. It's time for pop culture and the paranormal. Think about what's on TV these days. Mm. You know, it, it's just television is ripe with paranormal entertainment, right? Yeah. We got Josh Gates, that Geo, Geo, Geo Sokolakis or what? Yes. Is no, that, that's the guy Giorgio, with the wild hair, right? Giorgio Sucralos. Giorgio Sucralos. <laughs> um, you got Jason Hawes and the guys from Ghost Nation, uh, Dana and Greg Newkirk. Um, those, that's the couple from the traveling museum of the paranormal and the occult. And they also do the weekend weird website. And you see them on a lot of those, uh, TV shows where they have like paranormal caught on camera and stuff like that. Um, Zach Bagans, the ghost adventures guys. And you go back a little ways and even like there's, there's legit actors that get into paranormal entertainment. There's William Shatner. He had a kind of un, what it was, un, uh, some kind of unanswered mysteries type show that he did. That it was like uh he called it, it was like uh unsolved or not something like that. It was yeah. It Maybe was, always, it was like a reboot of Unsolved Mysteries or something. Uh, speaking of I that, you know, there's Robert Stack in the eighties did Unsolved Mysteries. In the nineties you had on radio you had Art Bell and George Norrie, Linda Moulton Howe and those guys uh that did the uh after dark kind of kind of type shows. Uh Jonathan um, from Star Trek The Next Generation. He played uh, uh, Commander Riker. Did you get that one, Pat? No, I didn't have Didn't have He one. was on a show called like Un- Unexplained or something like that. Okay. It was it was great. It was great. Uh, and then you go way back to like the 70s, Leonard Nimoy yeah. did probably one of my favorite shows. Uh, it, it was called, uh, what was it, Unsolved? Unsolved Mysteries? Something no, they did a they did a reboot too with the new guy who played with the Spider new in, yeah in the recent Star yeah. Trek movie. Yeah, so so you know that stuff's been going going on, but there's one guy who actually contributed to uh, the Leonard Nimoy Nimoy shows back in the 70s, but this guy has been doing it since the early 60s. A guy by the name of Hans Holzer. Have you guys ever heard of Hans? It it rings a bell, but I, I couldn't uh, rattle off any facts about him. So this guy is kind of like the 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 godfather of of paranormal uh entertainment, you might say. Oh wow. Um he he uh he had a show way back in nineteen sixty three called Ghost Hunter. Which what? I would just love to find some episodes. I, I haven't dug real deep into YouTube to see if I can find uh anything about it or any episodes from it, but uh, there are plenty of, uh, he did a lot of speeches and talks and things um, throughout his entire career, you know, pretty much till he died. Uh, He died at the age of 89, but he, uh, um, ghosts became his life's work. And uh, he was probably one of the most famous figures in the paranormal field. He authored nearly 140 different books on paranormal topics. What? Including extraterrestrial life, witchcraft, and more. Um, he, uh, I mean, you, you can go through his list of books in his Wikipedia, and some years he dropped out like three books <laughs> on this stuff. 
So it's pretty amazing he that a, um, he probably had a ghostwriter. A hundred and forty, dude. He, I mean, you're turning books. one out a month at that point in time. So, and and from what I've researched, it sounds like you know some of them were very good, others not so much. You know, I, I mean, did see some reviews of some pretty bad ones. He even did he did both fiction and nonfiction. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, so some of them, uh, it, it was kind of interesting. One technique that this guy came to, came, came upon, uh, one of probably his biggest claim to fame is he was one of the lead investigators for the, uh, Amityville horror mystery. Um, so if you're not familiar with that in the early seventies, uh, it was probably like 74, 75, um, uh, there was a, a young man who killed his entire family in this house. And later on, uh, another family moved into the house and they lasted just a short time. It was like 28 days or something before they said, that's it. We're out of this place. Uh, they, there were so many uh, ghostly type experiences that they were having frightening experiences um, that uh, they didn't last in that house long. And so, Somebody came in, wrote a book about it, and then, of course, they made the movie uh, Amityville Horror. Um, so Holzer and uh, a psychic that he worked with um, investigated uh, that house. They said they he actually got pictures of, like, they, there's still some of the bullet holes that were in the house from when this guy shot the place up. And they, they were seeing, like, halo like almost like aura type things coming out of the bullet holes. What? Uh, so some, some pretty That's... weird stuff, stuff going on. But um, so he, he actually came up with this kind of uh, un, un, unpublicized way of doing things that. So, so the book for Amityville horror was written in like 1975 and the movie came out in 77 well, he wrote his own book about Amityville Horror. He released it in 1977, the same year as the movie coming out. And on the front of the book, he write, he has the words printed on, soon to be a Hollywood movie. Okay. Well, yeah, it wasn't based on his book, mm-hmm. but he sold a lot of books because of it. So that right. was one of his techniques. And he also did it later in the 80s on another mystery. Uh, unfortunately... Uh, the movie was delayed for one reason or another, came out two years after his book did. <laughs> so, so he kind of got burned on that one. But, uh, so he, he, this guy received some criticism for the way he did things sometimes, but, um, but he was, un, you know, arguably one of the pioneers of, of, uh, paranormal research. Well, I mean, nowadays, any anyone who's making a paranormal show is just basically jumping on the bandwagon and trying their best to do something different that hasn't been done. He was blazing a trail. I mean, right. I mean, clearly, yeah, back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, there were people who believed in this kind of thing. I think the difference was those who did were not so open and public about it. Exactly. You know? yeah. Nowadays, I think people, society has accepted it enough that those those kooky members of our paranormal uh club they they wear it as a badge of of you know they wear it proudly right Back then you didn't talk about it yeah so, people yeah, think to it's a, cool today today yeah. it is yeah yeah but, but, you know back a- back then i he he uh i'm sure he he took a lot of grief for it but he he was actually on the tonight show with johnny carson back in 1964 oh wow uh, he was on the merv griffin show in 65 um so you know he kind of made the rounds of of the, the late night talk shows and, and entertainment. Um, and, and I know back then people thought this stuff was pretty fascinating, but you know, would, would they say they believed it? No, you know, because yeah. back then it wasn't kosher to, to believe in something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. He was a positively preposterously preponderance of paranormal positively. <laughs> <laughs> <Powerful>. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's impressive. You're giving oh, the pop filter a workout there. My brain. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. Back you, then, you want to see my pop filter? Look at mine. 
Look at his. Talk about he, paranormal. He killed a hamster and put it on a <laughs> microphone, it looks like. That's a chunk of Yeti scalp right there. I listened to the show. I edited the the last show that we released, and and I heard that I really needed to use a pop filter on this microphone. I don't have one uh, to kind of speak through, so this is the best I could do on short notice. So he seems to be doing the job, hopefully. Uh, yeah, oh. yeah, exactly. I like you hit it on the head back then. It was like you could for entertainment, people would watch it, but like to have a serious discussion to be like, yeah, I believe in this. I think it's real. Here's why. I mean, even today, I think we've gotten a lot more progressive towards these kinds of things, but even still on some level, there's people who are look at you like, really, bro, you believe in aliens. You believe in ghosts. What's going right. on? Um, yeah. I but, think a lot of his books too were, were almost kind of entertainment pieces that themselves. They're probably books that kids could go to the library and check out because he had a whole series that highlighted the geographic sprawl of ghost stories. So, so he had one, the great British ghost hunt, lively ghosts of Ireland, haunted Hollywood, the ghosts of Dixie, the ghosts of new England, Hans Holzer's travel guide to the haunted houses among he did among it. Others. He did it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That so, sounds hot. Yeah. <laughs> His poor editors, man. I, I guarantee there's probably a lot of typos in those books. He's like, hurry up and edit this one. I got three more. I'm giving you next week. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. A lot yeah, of should, once the libraries open up again, I'll have to go check out the library see if they have any Hans Holzer books around. It'll be your show and tell for next time, Pat. Yeah. Oh, that'd be kind of a fun collection to go after, too. It would be. Yeah. Totally. I wonder if it had really cool book covers, like the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew books. Always had those cool covers. Did you guys look at those? I'm looking this Maybe up. Maybe I'm right dating now. myself. I, I don't. I don't know. I've, no, I'm not familiar. I mean, I've heard of those series. I've just never seen the cover. Yeah, they always had these great. They were like painted covers of you know the Hardy Boys doing some kind of mysterious thing out in the dark and there was always something creepy in the background and stuff so well hans didn't yeah, have time man he was cranking him out he's like hand drawn <laughs> hand drawn a little stick figure he's like yeah that's gonna have to do next book yeah dude was also an artist too he, he did art and uh he he wrote movies and you know he did all kinds of stuff but uh Dang, he must have but he, he was he was kind of down on gadgets though he, even back in the day people would walk around with geiger counters and think that geiger counters could detect ghosts and he was always really down on that. He preferred uh, just doing the field research. He utilizes a a trans medium who would come in with him and, and connect with the spirit. And they'd try to find out their information that way. Mm -hmm. uh, he carried a Polaroid camera with him and also a field journal, Eddie, and, uh, and a tape recorder. And I think that was about as gadgety as he wanted to get. And, and even in his later years, he, he, and, when we had this big boom of all these TV shows in, in the two thousands, you know, he was kind of down on some of the stuff that, that they were doing. You know, he said, you know, you don't really need that kind of stuff. You know, there's just go with, go with raw intuition. Yeah. Eddie yeah. just pulled up a, a list of all uh, pictures of his oh. book covers. They're top notch, dude. Those are really well done book covers. Is that Elvis? That was Elvis. Yeah, that looked like Elvis. He has, a, he has an Elvis book. Elvis <laughs> Presley speaks. Oh, nice. I mean, this is probably what got him in a little bit. People were looking at him like, come on, man, for real. <laughs> but some of these covers are amazing. Pat. Yeah, the you covers are astounding. Look at yeah. this. That's really good. Oh, that doesn't scare your pants off. Look at this one. Gothic Ghosts. Nice. Woo, that would be a fun collection to go after. I saw a unicorn. Uh, keep keep scrolling down somewhere. It was like unicorns in outer space kind of deal. Yeah, that one awesome. right there. Detective, the unicorn. I'm thinking that might be a fiction. That's probably one of his fiction books. Yeah. yeah. You know, we know we know Jesse's excited now. He's got the unicorn reference in there. So <laughs> there you go, uh, buddy. Well, that's a, that's a um, good one, Pat. Uh, you got to admire somebody who's completely a trailblazer in a lesser known field. There's um, Jesse unicorns that's looked at skeptically. So uh, who knows? I mean, if it wasn't for people like that, we wouldn't have all these you know, paranormal shows on nowadays. Right, Somebody yeah. had to start it. Exactly. Yeah. When you're blazing a trail, you're going to have a couple of missteps, especially when you have 150 books published. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, 
Two or three are going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he made a living, you know, all that time. He made a living doing it and uh, he provided for his family. And, you know, good on you, dude. Yeah, exactly. Well, good, good segment, Pat. Thanks for that. And now it's time for the main mystery. <laughs> I don't know if I told you guys what I'm doing for tonight or not, but I, I'm reaching deep into the I, into the I have well, an idea. This I'm going old school, not nineteen fifties, sixties old school. I'm talking fifteen hundreds old school. Oh so thank God this wasn't the recent sighting segment. <laughs> so when you guys think right. of when you guys think of 1500s Germany, what do you think of? I think of beer. Chocolate. Lederhosen, Wiener Schnitzel. Yeah. Yeah. Polka bands. What'd you say? Papa's Polka Fritas? <laughs> Isn't that German for French fries? <laughs> that, that's Spanish. <laughs> that's Spanish. Well, 1500s Germany, you certainly don't think of flying objects and UFOs, but that's allegedly what people in that time saw in the city called Nuremberg, Nuremberg, Germany, uh, 1561 to be exact, April 14th, right before tax day. The lovely people in the town of Nuremberg uh, claim that they saw a, but officially it's called the celestial phenomena over Nuremberg. But the, the townsfolk inside the city and outside the city in the more rural country areas, this was seen by many, many, many people. And allegedly what happened is the, the people reported that out of the sun came all these objects. Some were black, some were red, some were glowing. Uh, they were they were flying in the sky and or hovering in the sky. You had all sorts of different shapes. Uh, there were orbs. There were long, uh, long rods that were more cylindrical in shape. There was uh, some of the flying objects almost looked like a crescent moon type shape. Um, and... They were somewhere in patterns. I mean, there was a there was one uh, that was like in a, a pattern of four different orbs that formed a, a perfect square. But they looked like they came out of the sun, according to the people. Which that kind of confused me in and of itself because you can't look at the sun for more than a second because it hurts your eyes. But to them, it appeared to come out of the sun, and an aerial battle of sorts ensued. Um, the people report that these flying. Uh, objects in the sky were doing battle with one another. Um, as much research as I could dig and find, I couldn't find any reference as to actually what that means. Were they shooting bullets? Were they shooting lasers at each other? Were they were they flying into each other like bumper cars at Worlds of Fun? Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure how they were doing battle, but this went on for a very long time. And again, this was uh, April 14th, uh, 1561. And uh, the, the commotion began uh, between uh, right around five in the morning, they say, right around dawn. And uh, in fact, uh, after all of this happened, uh, a gentleman by the name, what was that last guy's name that we just talked about, Hans? Yeah, Hans uh, Holzer. Okay, this is a synchronicity. We got another Hans here because a, a guy by the name of Hans Glasser. Uh, the the following week after this event, Hans uh, created basically like a wood carving kind of uh, artistic rendition of what happened. You know, granted, this is a you know several hundred years before the invention of the the camera or the uh, smartphone camera. So uh, you either sketch it or you sear it into your memory. Mm-hmm. But Hans created right. as as all of our viewers on the video screen can see here. It's a it's a wood. Uh, carving slash painting of of what they saw, and it, I mean it. It looks like it, there's a picture of the sun in the middle, and then if you took like a, a handful of uh, glitter and stuff and just threw it all around the sun, there's orbs, there's rods, there's even crosses. There was there was craft flying around that looked like a cross, um, and they're all over the sky. And anyway, Hans created this um, piece of art. It's about ten inches by fifteen inches in dimension. Uh, it's currently still uh, part of the collection in uh, uh, Zurich, Switzerland. And funny, uh, you can you can actually get a depiction of this uh, 
artistic rendition as a clock, as a blanket. I was looking on Amazon. You can buy a poster of it for like 30 bucks. And uh, so it's, it's a quite famous uh, drawing that he did, painting that he did uh, of what the town folk saw. And below the picture part is a, is a writing, uh, some text of him describing what had happened. And um, he says, after a lot of the commotion, there was a large black triangular craft that appeared and hovered there for the longest time. And then there was a black triangular craft, huh? Yeah. You can see it uh, kind of at the bottom of the picture there. It almost, almost looks like a, almost like an arrowhead. If you can imagine that. Yeah. yeah. But at one point in time, but you know, I'm just thinking, you know, like uh, Phoenix lights, those are triangle, triangular black crafts. Yep. Yep. They, they sure are. (laughs) And I, I guess history repeats itself. But they darted around the sky, allegedly. Um, Here's a direct quote from Mr. Hans himself that's on this piece of artwork. Uh, Besides the globes flew back and forth among themselves and fought vehemently with each other for over an hour. And when the conflict uh, in and out of the sun was most intense, they became fatigued to such an extent that they, they all fell from the sun down upon the earth as if they were all burned. And then wasted away on the earth with immense smoke. Uh, after this, there was something what? like a like a black spear, a very long, thick, sighted, uh, the shaft pointed to the east, the point pointed to the west. Whatever such things mean, God alone knows. Um, so these objects fell out of the sky. They crashed to the ground outside of the town of Nuremberg. Um, what I couldn't find in all my research is... I couldn't figure out if people actually located what had fallen out of the sky. But right. as what, you can see what, on the artistic uh, wooden plank here, they show it almost looks like two tornadoes coming off the ground, but it's, it's smoke billowing up from the ground. Oh, okay. Um, and, from you know, crashing on the ground. you can see those little orbs on the ground too. Dudes. I mean, what do you, what do you make of this? I mean, we're talking, you know, 300 plus years before the invention of, of aircraft. And I know, you know, Wright brothers with the, with the first, uh, you know, controlled flight of an airplane. And I do believe that, um, you know, there were some dirigibles or some, you know, floating things before, before flighted airplanes, but still, I mean, we're talking hundreds of years before any of this and the people wouldn't even have a reference point. Things didn't fly. I mean, the only things you see in the sky are birds and stars and the sun and the moon. Like what's their reference point, right? Right. That picture exactly. reminds me of a Tears for Fears album cover. It looks like <laughs> the, the Seeds of Love. It's got a picture of the sun on it and all this other kind of whimsical stuff. <laughs> seeds of well, Love. Yeah, that's Well, a, you know. Ooh. Ooh. You know, <laughs> you know this is drawing, this this wood carving is old because the sun's got a face. The yeah, sun's right. got a face. <laughs> and we stopped drawing faces on the sun, at least in the, you know, probably 19... the 60s, I think. <laughs> my, uh, got no face. My, uh, my grandma had an old, uh, sundial that had a, a sun with a face on it. And I remember as a kid, it always creeped me the heck out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's very, it's very old timey. Um, and I mean, this picture, those cylinders get me too, because you got those orbs, which are kind of like, oh my gosh, orbs, but then you have these giant cylinders floating in space as well. Yeah, yeah the curious, curious thing to me is, you know, what, what happened when, when they crashed, you know, like Andy said, it'd be cool to find some kind of documentation of, you know, did they find anything? What was it like? You know, anything like that? You know, in, uh, years later, so fast forward to 1958, um, there's an author called uh, Jason Colavito, and he kind of talked about this a little bit. And uh, the book was called Flying Saucers, A Modern Myth of Things Seen in the Skies. So, and, uh, or maybe it was Carl Jung, the, the famous psychi- psychologist. Anyway, but this book, in this book, apparently, uh, Jung... Um, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. But Carl Jung was kind of analyzing this uh, historic event as, you know, arch- you know, an archetype, you know, what do these things represent? And he, you know, being more of a, like a skeptical type scientist, tried to explain it away as, oh, those people were seeing um, sun dogs, you know, 
so for, you yeah. know, for people who don't know what sun dogs are, it's uh, basically uh, an aerial phenomena where you essentially due to the, you know, to the temperature and barometric pressure and the ice crystals in the air, there's like two glowing things on each side of the sun. Kind of look like, like a, little rainbows. Yeah, it look like little halos or rainbows around the sun. But I mean, these people are talking about dozens, if not hundreds, of these floating, flying things. Some look like crosses. I mean, you can't. I don't, in my opinion, you can't explain that away as as sun dogs. I mean, these, you know, you can't say people in 1561 were ignorant. These are not ignorant people. These were well, uh, you know, these were intelligent enough people that have they they, they surely have seen sun dogs before. So this was something. Right. Different and completely out of the ordinary. Yeah, and someone, uh, Paul, put up there uh, to play devil's advocate, meteorites, but you're not getting this kind of action from meteorites, you know? They just come down and land. Yeah, and and these hovered. These hovered, flew back and forth, were apparently aggressive or hostile uh, towards each other. So, Plus the the giant arrowhead. (laughs) Dude, when you, when you got a giant arrowhead the size of what looks like the Empire State Building hovering in 1561 Germany, you get you got you got some splaining to do, right? <laughs> the thing we're that we're uh, talking, yeah. The case that kind of comes to mind, kind of what this reminds me of is, I believe it was it was in Spain uh, where they had that soccer game. Was it back in the 50s or even oh yeah the 30s or 40s? They and they, yeah. one theory is that they, it was like a mass UFO sighting above the soccer stadium, even stopped the game because of it. But, uh, one theory was, and I don't know if it was ever proven or whatnot, but, uh, they thought it was spiders and somehow, you know, they, they would create the, yeah. this web and there were so many of them, you know, it, it kind of created a mass of them and they were flying over the stadium and nobody could explain you know, with the sun reflecting off it, what it was. and um, you Yeah, know. and I mean, some, you know, some uh, species of spiders do spin a web that basically forms like a reverse parachute and the web carries them up right carries to the edge off. of our atmosphere and they essentially right. freeze and then fall back down. So when I first saw this on a, on a nature show, my mind was blown. I was like, what? It's like astronaut spiders. It's right. like yeah. science fiction kind of stuff. Wasn't that, but, a, wasn't that a David Bowie song too, Pat? Astronaut spiders, possibly. <laughs> I think it was like spiders, spiders from spiders from Mars or something like that. Spiders from Mars could be. I don't. Know. I yeah, it sounds right. Voice. He had a lot of like space related anyway. type type music. Well, uh, a couple things we can we can most likely rule out. I think out you're right, this. Eddie. <laughs> and Eddie froze Eddie, again. Eddie froze. <laughs> Frozen Eddie. I love it. If they make a statue of Eddie, I want it to look just like that. Just how I remember him. <laughs> um, no, a couple things we can rule out. Uh, not a hoax. People did not have a means by which to hoax this. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly not in terms of like, you know, drones, remote-controlled airplanes, blimps. Nothing like that existed back then. You can rule out a mass hallucination. Too many people in too many different parts of the city saw this. Um and you can uh, you can also again rule out mistaken identity because things didn't fly back then. Um, so quite <laughs> quite the noodle scratcher. I remember when I first heard about this case years and years ago. I was just floored because you think you think UFOs, you think UFO sightings, you you just jump to like modern day, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, however, five years after the Nuremberg uh, celestial event. Uh, in July, or excuse me, in August of 1566. Where'd Eddie go? Are you going to try to log back in? <laughs> I think he went out for a Coke. And <laughs> yeah. he's like, yeah, hey, I'm going to go grab something to eat. I'll be back. Um, in August of 1566, um, in Basel, which I believe is in Switzerland, uh, there was another sighting where red and black spheres did battle in the sky. So it was like, you know, it was like a, a miniature version of what happened in Nuremberg. Um, I don't know if you guys can see this, but <laughs> I'm going to hold it up to the mm-hmm. screen. For only thirty-two twenty-three, you yourself can have a 24 by 18 inch poster of the Nuremberg UFO oh, the picture? phenomena. Check that bad boy out. Nice. There you go. You need to get that for your uh, 
your paranormal room that you dude I, I was actually thinking the same thing you oh, can yeah? get it in a clock you can get it in a blanket i'm gonna order that and snuggle up with some nuremberg ufos when i go to sleep tell you what um we have Tam- lost eddie if you are just tuning in we have lost eddie eddie has left Eddie's, the room i think it was abducted by that eddie. ufo behind us eddie was taken <laughs> he is uh quite possibly we cannot confirm or deny but he might be being probed on a spacecraft, if you see the mothership, Eddie, if you're up there, send us a signal. <laughs> oh, oh, he's back. He, he's there back. He is. There he is. <laughs> hey, buddy. How was the probing? The aliens are on to me. <laughs> okay. Sometimes hey, logging hey, out, speaking, logging back speaking in. Speaking of it po- is. posters and buying posters, uh, Eddie, Annie was just telling me that you can you can buy a copy of that that painting as a poster. That's right. $32.23. It can be all yours, man. What? Yes. <laughs> I want one. There you go. Well, that's, that's what I rounded up for the main mystery. I mean, we could, uh, we could debate and theorize and ponder and wonder, but at the end of the day, I mean, we can't go back in time to 1561 on April 14th and see what the heck actually happened there. Um, but I, for one, would, uh, chalk it up to, uh, I don't know. Some some UFOs are beefing for whatever. Maybe they came here as a neutral grounds. Who knows? They're fighting over all the all the the water, probably <laughs> fresh That's air. Right. Well, nowadays, if they come all here, the they... Wiener Schnitzel. I thought they're and after the Wiener Schnitzel and chocolate. <laughs> nowadays, can you imagine all the all the alien aircraft probably have like a a giant face mask around them just yeah. to be just to be sure, you know. They but, gotta filter that bad stuff out. Well, you, anyway, these guys are dirty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this species is nasty. Twitter, you can find us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, if you have a suggestion about a main mystery segment or any segments we should do, you can always shoot us a email, paranormaldads at gmail dot com. And thanks to freesounds.org for all their uh, great sound bites and music that. Uh, Allows us to dress up the show a little bit. All right. Uh, Thank you all. Stay safe. Stay healthy, everybody. Have a good night. Thank you, everybody.